for me, I just love working with people and inspiring and motivating and getting the best out of people. And when you're in a boardroom, you've got a range of different people with different skills and experience, and it's about bringing out the best in them for, you know, a shared common goal. Hello and welcome to Essay Life, the podcast. My name is Penny Yap, and I'm the editor of Essay Life magazine. My guest today is one of the busiest people in South Australia during the summer months. Together with her husband, Doug, they own the Victory Hotel at Selix Beach and the famous Star of Greece restaurant at Port Willunga. Hello, Nikki Govan. Good morning, Penny. Great to be here. <laughs> Lovely to see you. Now, summer's here, and that's usually a bit of a time for people to kind of, you know, kick back, relax, take it down a notch, but not so for you and your husband, Doug. No, it does turn to be out to be a very, very busy time for us because mm. both of our businesses, um, we're seven days. In fact, the Port Willie kiosk at the Star of Greece is mm. breakfast, lunch and dinner. So seven-day trading for around about six weeks. Of course, the Victory's doing that anyway, but mm-hmm. it does become a particularly busy time. And I have to say, with all of our friends that come down and uh, stay at their beach houses, we do tend to burn the candle at both ends. <laughs> so we're working very hard, but we also enjoy a drink at the end of the day. That's right, because of course you live down at Port Belunga and then everyone else turns up for holidays and expects a party. That's exactly right. So yep. most people would be quite sensible. We're, we're like we are. I mean, particularly between Boxing Day and New Year's Eve, that's yep. certainly the absolute busiest week for us. So oh, we have to be fairly sensible. Thankfully, my parents come down, they help look after Maggie uh-huh. and give us that support so that we can be um, off at work. And mum helps doing the washing, cleaning the house. Oh, bless so her. Good old mum. Bless mom. her. She <laughs> is fantastic. And dad's pretty good too. So yeah, we're very lucky to have that support. Oh, that's fabulous. Now, in addition to the restaurants and having lovely Maggie to play with and care for, you're also on many, many boards and committees. Now, listeners, just make a cup of tea and sit back for a minute because I'm going to list them all here and it takes a while. So chair of Business SA, and you're also on the board of the Training and Skills Commission, the Food, Wine, Tourism and Hospitality Industry Skills Council, the Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry, and the Tourism Start Task Force. My goodness, how do you manage it? Um, I'm really good with planning. Now, with planning comes um, things that just get thrown into the mix, and I don't think I could do it any other way. In fact, I think when I was quite young and into events, I was really told that you're going to hit a brick wall, you're going to open a can of worms, and you have to be ready for it. So Mm. I think sort of prior preparation with anything um, helps you to be able to manage that. I do put in diaries, I put in meetings, I put in work, I put in reading papers, Um, So I do relax on holidays, um, but generally speaking, in between that, I just sort of go, go, go the whole time and at night time. So, um, but I'm a big planner. Okay, well, that's good. So you mentioned that you had a background in events. That's where it all began for you? Yeah, it did. Um, I studied tourism at Adelaide TAFE Uh many, many, many years ago, and um, I was very fortunate enough to work with Bill Spur. He was head of TAFE Uh um, when I was studying there. And then I went across and worked with Bill at the Adelaide Convention Bureau, Um, And then uh, that was around the time Australia Major Events was formed. That was in response to the Formula One Grand Prix going. So I was involved in setting up what was the inaugural sensational Adelaide 500 as it was then and Tasting Mm. Australia. So you've had a a long background in events and I think that does help you because, gosh, the highs can be highs, but it's tough. It's really hard work, Mm. Um, but it's actually almost addictive, I think. (laughs) I'm sure that's true. 
So what inspired you to take on this incredible breadth of responsibilities that you have at the moment? Um, I do like to help people. I think that sort of mm-hmm. comes from very much of a place of being able to use the knowledge and experience that I've had in helping others. I, you know, that's that's a big part of it for me. I love getting a good group of people together and working and trying to solve a problem. And whether that's around a board table or whether that's at work, um, I think people management, you know, people sort of say, what's your skill? For me, I just love working with people and uh-huh. inspiring and motivating and getting the best out of people and teaching and training them. That's just such a big factor. And when you're in a boardroom, it's the same sort of principles, really. You've got a range of different people with different skills and experience, and it's about bringing out the best in them for, you know, a shared common goal. Well, that's amazing. And I mean, mentioning people, I mean, can you name perhaps a few of your greatest influences who you've been in touch with so far? Gosh, that's always a hard one to answer. But I think I would have to say, um, certainly my father's been a huge influence in my life. He ran a small business. He volunteered on many committees and boards. Um, So that's sort of part of giving back, um, whether that's from a community or a not-for-profit or charitable perspective, um, and ran and expanded our business. And I I worked with dad and watched him. And so he certainly growing up was a huge influence. And my mum worked in the family business and nursing to help put my brother and I through private school. So my parents have been big influences um, in my life. In fact, years ago, I was featured in SA Life with mum and dad on a <sighs> mother and daughter issue and or story. And in fact, it was one of the great things that was mentioned in that article about my mum. She said, you know, dear, we have one mouth and two ears. And that's about <laughs> listening. Um, so family's been very influential. And I think from a career perspective, Bill Spur has been a huge mm-hmm. mentor for me. I mentioned earlier that um, he was head of TAFE and I worked for him. And in fact, um, we're catching up again this week Mm. to talk about the events um, advisory group that I'm now chairing, which Bill uh, headed up Australian major events when it was formed. So he's been a great support and mentor throughout many, many, many years, probably about 30 years. And I'm just very touched that he reached out and is happy to continue doing that. So it certainly sounds like you learned from the best, and I am definitely digging out that article about you and your mum, for sure. You can expect to see that on our website very soon. So you mentioned the Events Advisory Group, of which you were recently named as chair. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, now, this group will be advising the Premier and the government on how events might be run differently in the future in these COVID times. So can you tell me what's happening with the group at the moment? Sure. We actually held our first meeting uh, just recently, last uh-huh. week. Um, and there's a – look, it's a very large group. There's about 14, 15 of us, and it's um, handpicked by the Premier. Um, so to look at making sure that we can um, look at multiple sectors. I mean, the reality is the funds that were made available by not running – the um, Superloop 500 are going to be made available to look at a range of other events. Um, The simple fact is that we are not going to be able to run large major events with mass crowds, probably for the next couple of years, I would guess, and certainly until a vaccine is available. Um, So what we have to look at is what events we can do really, really well um, Mm -hmm. in a COVID environment. And just by way of example, South Australia has done really well there. We hosted the rugby, um, you know, within uh, in November. Mm. We also um, had the pageant in November, both of those at Adelaide Oval. Um, We've got some fantastic productions that are coming to the beautiful new Her Majesty's Theatre. So I think that right across the board from arts, sports, social, I'm sure there's going to be something in motorsport for the the fans (laughs) that feel like they've missed out. But we have to look at a range of um, 
activities across different sectors. We want to look at things that are not just in the city, although that Mm -hmm. is important. We want to make sure that we can take them out, whether they're satellite events or events into the region, and making sure that they can be done safely. Um, What we don't want to do is have a range of events that are set up and announced, and then because there is a a lockdown or a cluster that they can't operate. So it's going to be very challenging, but Mm -hmm. we have a really good group of people. They're incredibly enthusiastic. Um, And I think by not being a formal arm of government, we've got that ability to be absolute creative, free thinking (laughs) um, without sort of being hamstrung by by government. And that's the independence of this group, I think, is going to be really important for us to be able to contribute ideas and work alongside the team at Events SA who do a fantastic job, but Mm -hmm. really providing them with some different ideas to consider. Oh, that's great. And you mentioned supporting the regions. And I think that's so important too. And I'm sure it's close to your heart living down on the Flurio as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think, you know, when the Grand Prix left, everybody Mm -hmm. thought this was just, that's the end. And yet, Mm -hmm. if you look at a number of events that the government has actually set up and Run. Tasting Australia has got a very strong um, presence in Adelaide, it but does. also right across the regions with mm-hmm. satellite events. Um, and the same with Tour Down Under. Um, mm. Tour Down Under is That's a brilliant a event because yeah. it goes right out to the region. So, you know, we can look at those models for things that the government has initiated and making sure that we get it, you know, right out into the regional areas. Um, look, COVID's been really challenging for the regions. We were recovering incredibly well. But, of mm. course, you know, the lockdown that occurred in November sort of put us back a little. Yes. Um, and sadly, there were a lot of regions that had cancellations. So, look, we, we got hold of it. Um, the government responded quickly. Mm-hmm. got us back open. And I think the people of South Australia are very keen to get out, support the regions. Um, and as the borders open, we'll see a lot more of domestic travel out into those areas as well. I'm sure that's true. And just in time for summer, hopefully. Absolutely. Too. Yes. Now, just within the past few days, you've also been announced as chair of the Adelaide City Council's brand new Adelaide Economic Development Agency. Is there any more you can tell me about that? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, just that my dance card is full. I yeah. think that's probably fair to say. I'm glad you made time for me today, actually. Yeah. I don't know how you did it. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. Um, so basically what the um, Adelaide City Council is doing is that they looked, they did quite a bit of research and without sort of going into the details of that, what they looked at is the um, concept of outsourcing their economic development. So that will be um, the activities that have been sitting under the Rundle Mall Management Authority. So that's the retail promotion, uh-huh. investment attraction, and also the visitor economy, so events, festivals, and tourism into the city of Adelaide. Uh, and of course, that obviously includes the, the footprint of the CBD, but um, right out into North Adelaide as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not just interstate and overseas um, visitation. Obviously, the latter will take much time before that recovers, but it's even getting people from the regions and from metropolitan areas into Adelaide. Um, investment attraction from interstate and, um, and overseas and the promotion of retail. Um, it's it's a mixed economy at the moment. It's really, really mm. interesting because you can read about record prices in the CBD for um, uh, apartment and housing developments. Yes. And then sort of a couple of days later, you read about how retail is absolutely struggling. And yes. walking around the CBD, it is terribly sad to see the number of um, cafes and restaurants oh, that have really closed is. up and yeah. retail outlets. Um, so there's a certainly is a really big job to do. Um, but we are um, in the process of pulling together the board and then we can start to work on the strategy um, to address each of those particular areas. And we, I don't underestimate it. In fact, I said that at the interview, I don't underestimate the challenge that we have ahead of us. Um, <laughs> but I think as a, as a city and a state, we're really well poised to bounce back from COVID-19. Mm. Um, and it's going to be about sort of providing people with reasons to come back in. Helping support others is is incredibly important. So 
stay tuned for more on that. Oh, okay. I mean, I agree with you. It's just incredibly sad to see the way that the the city has been impacted by COVID. Even just walking down to the studio today, I spotted another cafe that I used to go to that is now again shut. I mean, where do you think the future lies for tourism and hospitality in this environment? Um, it is very, very interesting. And I've sort of, you know, got to take perhaps off an official hat and, mm. and bleed from the heartstrings as a, as a <laughs> restaurant owner and yes. say these restrictions sort of in and out and one per four square metre or one per two square metre, what that means um, for a one per two square metre for any of the operators is that they're operating somewhere between 50 um, and 30%, depending on their size of their Gosh, venue. Wow. And so um, that is really, really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially sort of small cafes, it's really hard to sort of be sustainable in that environment. Um, we we know now that um, in December we'll be, you know, returning back to um, pre-cluster restrictions, and mm-hmm. that's important. But I think we have to look at what New South Wales, I think, is a great example. They've kept their economy going. Mm-hmm. Um, they've shut down specific areas rather than um, necessarily a larger area. And I think that's um, going to be something that the state government needs to look at in in being able to manage clusters, but being able to mm-hmm. keep the economy open. Yeah. Um, now, having said that, as a business, we've had to pivot and we've had to rethink what we do and how we operate. And so a couple of things we've said to people, look, I'm sorry, but there will be double bookings. So, you know, you can be 12 till 2 or, you know, 2 till 4 and same at dinner time. And then we've also had to move towards a two-course minimum um, on Uh weekends, just on weekends. Um, And that's just about being able to be sustainable. Mm. Um, You know, I feel an enormous responsibility for between the two places, we've got 80 to 90 employees. And so when when our capacities are cut in half, that almost reflects the number of what we have to do with our staff. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I don't want to be taking people off shifts. Um, so we, we need to be able to look at how we can pivot, how we can operate our venue um, within a COVID environment and within the safety and give people security. But we also want to make sure that we've got jobs for people who are relying on that income. Oh, of course. And I mean, I know that, you know, most restaurants or cafes, it's like a family in there behind the scenes, isn't it? Everyone works together. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly right. It mm. becomes their social life and it becomes their that's support right. base. Yeah. And, you know, we are a, a place and, you know, of course, it was very challenging when we returned from the um, cluster earlier this year, or sorry, the, sh- the lockdown earlier this year, because mm-hmm. we're all quite touchy, feely, huggy, supporty yeah. people um, by our nature. So yeah, elbow bump um, doesn't cover it, does elbow it? Elbow bump doesn't cover it when, uh, <laughs> you know, there's certainly a lot of tears and a lot of emotion. So, you know, um, again, that sort of comes back to our role. And that's, for me, means more than the income that we're getting is to be able to support these people in jobs who mm-hmm. have got partners, children, mortgages. And uh, that's really important um, to think about. It's not just the jobs of the individual that might be a casual employee. It's what their money is going towards supporting them, family. I'm sure the general public understands that and everyone's just very glad to get out for lunch. They don't mind which, that it's going to be two seatings. That's no, that's right. Fun. Everyone has everyone. been pretty good, actually, which is great. Yes. Now, I know that you also happen to love entertaining at home because you very kindly hosted a special lunch party for Essay Life, which people can see in the December-January issue. What do you think makes a good host? Um, I think it's about preparation, actually. I mm-hmm. talked about that in a business sense. For me personally, I absolutely love having people around. And you'll see, I think, in the photos and the story that you've beautifully put together yes. that we have a lot of fun doing it. Absolutely. But, um, for me, it's a lot of preparation. So as much as you possibly can do sort of the day before or on the day of. Mm-hmm. For me, I love to be um, actually 
you know, spending the time as a host, talking to people and mm-hmm. filling the glasses and chatting and having that great fun. Whereas if you sort of leave everything till the last minute, then you find it becomes quite stressful. Um, and I think, I mean, Doug and I have always loved entertaining together. And if you're not necessarily in a relationship with someone, grab a friend or, uh-huh. or, or a family member and do it with somebody else. Share that fun, share the excitement, share the preparation, mm-hmm. because that can just make it so much more enjoyable on the day rather than think you're running around just having to do it all yourself. I do that a lot in my single days. So grab a buddy, host a dinner party and make sure you enjoy it. Oh, that's wonderful. So you've always been a bit of a hostess. Were your parents big entertainers as well? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yep. Grew up in a household where they were. Um, in fact, Christmas nights for us were mm-hmm. always um, open house. So we would end up with about 80 or 90 oh. people around at our place and <laughs> everyone would bring a plate. Um, so yes, they're both very big in entertaining, mm-hmm. um, both great cooks, whether that's sort of on the barbecue with dad or, or yep. mum in the kitchen. And yeah, it's something we, that we've um, grown up with and I've uh, always thoroughly enjoyed. And now I hope you managed to fit in a little bit of downtime to have some fun with friends and family over Christmas. But I can't help asking one more question. What do you want for Christmas? Ah, well, that's interesting Mm. because um, my husband, Doug, usually very, very good at picking things. But I did say Uh to him this year, I've been thinking about it. I think I'm ready to do it. I'm not sure whether this is actually going to be difficult to handle, but I'm going to give an iWatch a crack, an Apple Watch. Oh, okay. (laughs) So um, being well organised and assisting Doug, who's quite busy too, I've actually gone online, bought it and grabbed his credit card and we're going to give it a go. But I'm a little bit nervous about whether these buzzing of text messages and things on my hand is going to be difficult to handle. But um, I'm going to give it a crack. So again, it's probably (laughs) something that will help keep me more organised. But uh, that's what I've put on the list. And of course, you know, let's just not have a lockdown. Let's be able to get families together. And that's what I think the most important thing for everybody this Christmas is going to be. Absolutely. Well, speaking as a terribly disorganised person who is an Apple Watch convert, it will make you so much more organised. Brilliant. Oh, that's great, Penny. That's good to no. So will you be at home on Christmas Day? Um, this year we alternate between Doug's family and my family. So this uh-huh. year we'll be at Doug's sister's place. Um, numbers will be a little bit down, I think, depending on whether some of the interstate family members mm-hmm. can make it. But it's usually very hot. So the kids can jump in the pool. You know, the family just get together, have a great chat. And then back um, Christmas evening, we will spend that with my mum and dad down at Port Wollonga and a very early night getting ready for Boxing Day at the restaurant the oh, next day. Oh, goodness. Wow. Yeah. Okay, it never stops, does it? That's right. <laughs> oh, well, have a wonderful Christmas, Nikki. It's been Thank- fabulous to talk to you. Thanks, Penny. Thanks very much for having me and everybody get out there and buy your your summer edition of SA Live. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you'd like to take a seat at an intimate lunch party at Nikki and Doug's house, pick up the December-January issue of SA Life magazine, which is out now. For more information, visit our website at salife.com.au.